My guest today is Courtney Carver. She is the creator of BeMoreWithLess.com, and she joins me today to discuss minimalism and her new book, Project 333, The Minimalist Fashion Challenge That Proves Less Really Is Much more. You may know her as well from the minimalism documentary on Netflix, and she has also been featured on the Wall Street Journal, NPR, USA Today, Forbes, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is a platform where you can learn anything from productivity, design, cooking, and baking. Go to turningpointpodcast.com to get two premium months free. And now let's kick off the show. Courtney, thank you so much for being part of the Turning Point podcast today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm grateful for the invitation. I like to kick off the interview learning a little bit of your journey and what brought you to becoming a minimalist and self-employed uh, as of now. Sure. Well, it it feels like kind of a long story, but some days it feels like my turning point was just yesterday, but actually it was in 2006. I was working in advertising sales for luxury magazines and kind of just living the American dream, I suppose, in that I was working too much, spending too much, um, always feeling like I had to catch up, that I was falling behind uh, in this constant comparison game, you know, in order to, to find my place and to figure out if I was succeeding or failing. And it was just, it felt like more like a game than a dream. And all of that running crazy uh, eventually made me sick. And in 2006, after months of debilitating vertigo and fatigue uh, and some other very strange symptoms, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And at first, because sometimes I tell this story so quickly, I forget the part where I was just really scared and I didn't know what to do or what life was going to look like. That was definitely part of my journey. But I also very quickly came to the realization that if I wanted to live well with MS, if I wanted to have that possibility that I was going to have to change my life. And I didn't know how or what or when, but I knew changes had to be made. And so very slowly I began looking at each part of my life and noticing the stress in it and reducing or eliminating it. Um, it was one change at a time, but the thread of all of the changes that I made was simplicity. Uh, and that's really what drew me towards minimalism and simplifying my life further. And then, so you, you started first, I guess the first phase of that was uh, getting into minimalism and reducing that, uh, I guess, stress of just buying things to kind of fill the void and not really just buying things because, hey, I, I do need this, right? I, you need shampoo and the essentials, but do I really need a new pair of headphones when I already have one? So I guess that was the first step. And then I guess when, when did you go from that to... I want to work for myself and I want to build a business around living a more simple life. Yeah, the, that was definitely a big part of it. But the first step was just health, like getting, getting into better health. 
um, changing my diet, changing the way that I slept, the way that I moved, the way that I treated myself overall. And then very shortly after that came all of the like rethinking the shopping and the stuff and the um, debt and all of that. But it was, uh, so 2006, I was diagnosed. 2010 is when I started uh, my blog, bemorewithless.com. And that's when I decided that I was going to work for myself, although I didn't know what that would look like either. I'm starting to see a, a trend here that I really have no idea what I'm doing at any, <laughs> any time, but I was still working full time and I needed to do that. You know, I was still very deep in debt. My family relied on my income and I couldn't just say, I'm just going to take a leap and exactly. see what happens. So I created an exit strategy um, loosely based on what I thought might happen. And I started in May 2010 and in October 2011, I uh, gave my notice and left and was on my own and have been ever since. It's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs are usually like, if you want to have your own business, then just go for it. But I think life goes by in season. So when you're like young and you don't have really like a family, it's just you and your responsibilities. The strategy to become an entrepreneur is so much different than when you have a family, right? Because you have to make sure that, okay, are we in debt? How can we take care of that first? And then you know, how can I have this like little nest egg in case that something happens? You know, I have that money to take care of my family because it's different. When you're, when I was single and I wanted to do entrepreneurship things, I didn't think about it twice, right? I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have, I wasn't married. I didn't have so many other responsibilities. So like I did a lot of risky things when I was young and I still in my life personally have that risk, but it has to be a little bit more measured. Um, so I do appreciate you saying like, you know, I have a family. So certain things needed to be in place before I started my business and yeah. your health, right? And because for, it to be yeah, healthy correct. too. That, was, I, that was a priority. Yeah. I didn't want that stress of, of winging it completely and hoping that things would work out. I wanted to be a little more methodical, but I was excited to dive into the work, which is why I didn't you know, have a clean end date of one job and then start my business. I was doing them both at the same time, which some people might think that would add extra stress because there's more work to do, but actually it relieves stress because I was actually doing something that I enjoyed and that I um, was very new to. So it was all very exciting and I was curious and it was fueling me versus depleting me, uh, which made that easier to kind of ride out the last year and a half or whatever of a job that I didn't particularly like. Exactly. And I guess if there's some like young entrepreneurs out there, they're working that nine to five and doing that, I guess, side hustle or, or passion project on the side, and they want to eventually take the leap. Um, what are some things that you did that might be beneficial to them? And I, I think we, we kind of touched on them, but I don't know if we can go more into detail on, on those. Sure. Well, I, I'd say that the exit strategy was essential for at least in my journey because I needed to kind of see on paper what it would look like. What did I, what was important to me to have in place before I left? And this formula won't work for everyone, but I think everyone can kind of create their own formula in what's important to you. So for me, it was really important that I became debt free. I had been in debt my entire adult life. 
and mm-hmm. I wanted that gone. So I wanted to use the opportunity of having a, a full-time job with steady income to get rid of that debt. That became very important. Um, I also wanted to have a solid month of income, not of savings, but of income uh, above and beyond any other savings that I had, any kind of emergency fund or anything like that, but kind of like this work fund where for a month when I left, if I didn't uh, make a dollar, everything would kind of stay the same. And that removed the, that fear of desperation that I would have to work with clients I didn't want to work with or, okay. or that I wouldn't enjoy what I was doing because I really wanted this new path to be joyful. I wanted to enjoy what I was doing. And I knew if I was like having to really scramble, hustle, whatever you want to call it, then that was going to take the fun out of it for me. And I could have a job without fun. I already had one. So (laughs) why would I make a new one that wasn't better? Uh, So those were, those were very important things to me. Uh, And then also having great communication with my husband who, you know, he wasn't into the blogging thing at all. He didn't really understand what I was doing um, and couldn't really process. I don't think how this would generate income and since I didn't really know for sure either, it was it just this like a little bit of back and forth. Like, this is what I see other people doing. This is what I anticipate I can do. And just be really open about that and talking about it. That's great. I know the answer to this questions, but do you ever look back? Do you ever say, not that you would miss the nine to five, but maybe I think there's a myth with job security a lot. And, and you know, my day to day is I work in the tech industry. So there is no job security there. A company can close tomorrow. And it's happened where you go in and it's like, well, we're closing doors. We ran out of money. We don't have any VC money. We don't have anything. So you have to go home. Um, but a lot of people, I think, with entrepreneurship is so hard, right? Because you have to do this every day. You have to organize your day and everything's on you. Do you miss this going to the office and doing your tasks and going home? Do you miss that at all? And I know it's a weird question, but I've had some entrepreneurs that are like, I miss certain things, which I guess is the structure of coming in, having a meeting, doing your work and going home. But I like the liberty of obviously what I do and what I love. I don't miss it at all. I don't miss <laughs> any part of it. In fact, the best thing is that I had a couple of really great um, friends within the company that I worked for, and we're still great friends, and we still work together. Uh, they are both out of the company as well now, so I I took the best fr- the best parts of my work, exactly. and now I still have that. Um, when I gave my notice, I'd been with the company for seven years, and my employers told me, without knowing what I was doing next, that I would never be as successful on my own as I would be working for them. So when you ask the question, do I ever look back? Occasionally, I'd like to go back and have this conversation again. <laughs> <laughs> knowing but, what you know now. Knowing, but, but for the most part, no. Um, Actually, for the whole part, I don't want to go back. I'm so much happier now. I'm much healthier. Um, I don't miss that corporate environment at all. I definitely don't miss the corporate culture that was within the company I was at. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. Like, we really like a lot of the parts of the work that we do. But when office politics and other 
BS gets all mixed up in that, it, it really sours you to the work. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Um, so I learned about you from the documentary Minimalism on Netflix. Mm. And one of the most interesting things I think was project, uh, I don't know if you say 333 or 333. I say 333, but I know everyone says it differently and I don't mind. <laughs> so how did that, how did that, um, I know the story, but just for, for the listeners, right? How did you come up with that? How did that happen? I, I love the idea. So I just want to share with the listeners what it is exactly. Yeah. So Project 333 is the minimalist fashion challenge that I created back in 2010 to get a handle on my closet because even though I was simplifying my life, I wasn't simplifying my closet, uh, <laughs> at least not for a while. Because honestly, I thought it, this sounds so silly now, but I thought it reduced stress to buy new things. Like I thought that was a stress reliever, buying things. And a lot of people I, do that. Yeah, like retail therapy, right? Yep, exactly. And my closet was my favorite place to shop because things were so inexpensive. I could easily add something new that would change an entire outfit, which somewhere translated in my mind that I was like a brand new me because I had a new scarf. Yep. Or, um, I, you know, I thought people would perceive me a different way if I was dressing a certain way or that I would feel a certain way were I to dress a certain way. Uh, but all that was translating to is just a, a stuffed closet and boxes of clothes that weren't in my closet because I just held on to everything, even if I wasn't wearing it. And this challenge was really a promise to myself and to the internet that I would only dress with 33 items or less for three months, including clothes, uh, jewelry, accessories, and shoes. For some people, that sounds like no big deal. For other people, they're completely freaked out when I say shoes. So <laughs> it's, it's different for everyone, but almost everyone I've talked to that has done the challenge has discovered something about themselves through the process. Nothing to do with clothes in most cases uh, or fashion, but deeper things. And I was really surprised that that was my experience as well to discover that it wasn't about personal style or, or dressing better or finding the perfect pair of jeans or whatever. It was about easier mornings. It was about more confidence. It was about um, realizing that I needed way less than I thought to be happy. And also that what I wear is the least interesting thing about me. I think that was probably the the biggest revelation and that nobody really cared what I was wearing when all of this time inside my mind, I was telling myself stories about what people might think about what I was wearing to certain events or meetings or get togethers or whatever. When in fact, nobody noticed. And I know this because when I started the challenge, I was working full time in an environment where if people noticed, they would talk about it. And nobody even knew that I was dressing with fewer items. Yeah, and it's right. And it's a lot of entrepreneurs do that now. Like, if, and, and even, you know, Matt Diavella does it. Mark Zuckerberg does it a lot. I think even, um, I don't remember his name, but several people do it. And I think it stresses women a lot more maybe than men. 
Because I feel like say that I think Matt Diavella totally copied me after he came in <laughs> during the minimalism filming. I'm teasing. I love Matt, and uh, yes. Uh, it's, it's interesting. People say often that men have an easier time of it, yep. but those people saying it are usually people who haven't tried it yet. And yep. those are the same people who say, I could never do it because of the weather. I could never do it because of laundry. I could never do it for whatever. Those aren't the people that have actually done it. They're people that are fearful of trying it because they don't know what's going to happen. But I think that's the best reason to try it exactly no what i would say i think women might be more scared to do it i feel like in your experience i don't know you you worked with a lot of people but i feel like eventually once they try it that fear goes away because i think what you said it would choose i think a lot of them might be like well i don't want to you know and even with guys and sneakers right sneaker heads they don't want to get rid of their sneakers right that sure. that's like their identity so i think you learn a lot about it's not, like you said, it's not more about learning about fashion or letting go. You learn more about yourself, right? Because you realize I had this mentality that I needed to buy more things to make myself happy or I get a paycheck and something comes out and I want to buy it. And now your whole life has changed. And I've kind of adopted minimalism recently. And even so, before that, I felt like I was a minimalist. I even know it. Um, I, I lived in Puerto Rico and I moved to San Francisco back in 2013 and I took three suitcases and my computer and an Xbox and that's all I had. And a lot of people were like, you're crazy. You're going to end up coming back to the island. I'm like, why? I took this and I'll figure it out. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a job, but I'll be fine. <laughs> if anything happens, I can come back. But I'm not thinking, I'm not going there thinking I ha I'm going to go back. That was sure. my plan. That was my exit strategy, right? So a lot of us learn about ourselves doing risks like that. Like I, I believed in myself, but there were times where I was scared. I was like, am I end up going back to the island, right? And just failing myself. Yeah. And I would suggest that this challenge offers much less risk than moving from Puerto Rico to San Francisco. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to take that big of a leap to do this. But the, also the nice thing is you kind of talk about you know, having, you knew you could go back. That was kind of your safety net if you needed it. Um, with this, the safety net is that you're not getting rid of your stuff. You're just kind of getting it out of sight. So if you decide that dressing with fewer items and having a more spacious closet and not figuring out what to wear every morning doesn't work for you, you can bring all of your crap back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to donate it to do the project. <laughs> In fact, I recommend that you don't uh, donate or sell anything before you do it because that just adds extra stress. Why not wait the three months and then decide? Because then you have this whole um, other perspective about what your stuff really means to you. And I think letting go at that point is so much easier than upfront where you have all that you know, uncertainty. Yeah, I agree. And kind of pivoting a little bit from from that, um, I was in your website and I know that you have two courses there. And one that was very interesting because a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs, influencers, and creatives was um, creating a micro business that matters. If you were to give them a snapshot of what that course is, um, what would you describe that they can learn doing that course? Yeah, I'm just... Uh 
updating the course right now as oh, we great. speak. So I'm glad you brought it up because it's really reinforcing a lot of my ideas to read things that I wrote years ago that are still holding strong in my mind in terms of how to approach this, you know, micro business world. So what I mean by that is, you know, a business that has low overhead, typically creative digital entrepreneurs um, are gravitating towards the course. It's not a high tech how-to course, uh, but more of, you know, we talk a little bit about maybe how to start a website or things like that, but it's more like um, how to inspire your creativity, how to connect and grow a community, um, how to stay engaged in your work, even when you may not be motivated, uh, things like that. So I think much more practical. I think the how-to stuff, the real tech stuff um, is changing so fast that it's, at least for me, where I don't really have an interest in that, it's hard to, it would be hard for me to write that and, and keep up with it. Um, and thank God for Google and lots of brilliant people out in the world that <laughs> we can keep in touch with the, the changes. Uh, but I talk about social media some, um, you know, just different elements of the business side of this, because a lot of us, myself included, going into something like this might not be that, um, that business minded versus we've got that creative impulse or. Yeah, I agree. Or yeah. So it's, it's good to get a little bit of both and to have both of those skill sets on some level combined is all, all you really need for this kind of work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and there's a full description on the site that we can link to if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And I think it's important to like a lot of people that are creatives and influencers and maybe so um, they kind of need that guidance on how to maybe get a website and maybe get something, I don't know, like Squarespace where you're going to buy something or maybe find someone who's like a web developer that can do something that like bootstrap and you're paying for hosting and you kind of a deal on that. Or maybe something like if you want to build like a email list and start sending emails regularly, like monthly to people, do you want to use something like ConvertKit where you actually pay monthly or you want to start with MailChimp where something like free, but you don't have all the features. So I think that's good too. I know you said you don't go into the tools, but do you well, cover, you cover that? Sorry. Let me back up for a second. I definitely cover a lot of tools that okay. I use, especially and that I've used and kind of do a, you know, starting from the day I launched my site until now, kind of a timeline of, you know, how, how my growth happened um, and what I was using to make that happen along the way. So for instance, I use ConvertKit and love using them, but I talk about the hosting company that I started with, who I'm hosting with mm -hmm. now, that kind of thing, because even though there are great tools out there, I don't think there's one best thing for everybody or one thing that's going to make this huge difference in your business. It's a lot of little things um, and, and trying and seeing what works best for you and deciding, you know, do I have the money to hire somebody like you said, or do I need to really bootstrap this and that I don't, because I don't have the money and I'm not going into debt to do this. That was really important for me. I agree. I agree. And then um, I know you have already a published book, but I know you are writing or about to be done with this book that will come out uh, March 2020. 
Can you tell me a little bit? I know that maybe you want to keep it quiet as it's coming out in March 2020, but can you tell me maybe a little bit about it and maybe where the inspiration came to write this book? Sure. So my first book, Soulful Simplicity, came out at the end of 2017. And it it was about, you know, really my journey, kind of some of the things that we're talking about here, but more in depth. Uh, and kind of a combination of my stories and really how to simplify your life and put this stuff into action in your own life. And one of the chapters was called Simple is the New Black, and it was all about Project 333, um, the Minimalist Fashion Challenge. And so this new book is called Project 333, and it's really a deeper dive into um, how to get started, the benefits, um, how to overcome the concerns or fears or questions that you might have about the challenge, and also sharing uh, other people's Project 333 wardrobes. So where I'm not very keen on kind of giving a detailed account of my own, I wanted to give some real life examples of what this looks like for people. That's great. That's great because I feel like, like you said, the first one is more about your journey, but now you've been doing this for a while. You've been talking to a lot of people that are doing it. So you're kind of taking, and correct me if I'm wrong, your lessons and maybe other people's lessons, just sharing that, right? Instead of just the journey, it's just like the end goal and what you learn at the end. So I think that's awesome. Kind of part two, right? Yes. That's great. So I've been learning a lot about essentialism because I think it's like a thing now and um, and minimalism, right? So I think they go hand in hand. And I think a lot of it is because people rush through their day, right? We, we are in this constant rat race. And every time you talk to someone, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, because they don't really sit down to, let me really learn more about mental clarity and productivity. And how can that apply to my lifestyle? How can I make my day better with that? What I don't know if you know a lot about essentialism, if you study or, or learned a little bit about it. Um, do you think they go hand in hand, minimalism and essentialism? And do you think nowadays, with so many distractions, everything trying to pull our attention, do you think people should embrace both things a little bit more? Definitely. I think they're very similar. Um, They complement each other, but they both have kind of this same message, which is, you know, figure out what's important to you by getting rid of everything that isn't, whether that be clutter in your home or stuff on your calendar um, whatever it is, I think we, they're both driving the same point home here. Uh, and I think it could benefit everyone, but sometimes when you're caught in that busyness cycle or you're really overwhelmed or you don't feel well, or you don't know why you feel the way you feel, it's hard to know where to start and how to begin to pare back because you kind of feel like that busyness or that lifestyle or that clutter is your cross to bear. You created it. This is your life now. And to, to figure out how to break out of that can be overwhelming in itself. Yeah. A lot of people just fear change, right? And I'm always yeah. like, embrace it. And I know it's hard because a lot of people like their comfort zone and it makes them feel at home. But I'm like, sometimes change can feel like the new home and you're just in a better spot in your life, right? Like I said, life is in season. So why should we not embrace that? Um, So, yeah. So it has been great. To wrap up, I always like to ask people, what is one book that you might have read 
that made maybe a difference. I, I know I always get the same, the same, <laughs> the same phase out of people because they're like, they're either like, I read so many books and I can't pick one or they're not big readers. Oh, I've got Which too I, many books. Yeah. So I know from. that's the other, the, the first part for you, but um, yeah, no, something that I, you know, maybe with the listeners being, like I said, creatives, entrepreneurs, people that that are trying to create a business, people that are trying to maybe let go of that nine to five, something maybe that would hit their core that you read that really helped you during that process. I think probably to, when you specify the, the question like that, I would probably recommend uh, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. That book helped me tremendously. And again, not a business how-to, but it was permission to be creative. Yeah. Um, and then five other books just rushed into my head. So I'm only going to keep it at one for the sake of simplicity. <laughs> so I would say the artist's way. Uh, yes. Awesome. I have not read that one. So I do have my own list because every time I talk to a guest, it's either I've read it or I've heard of it or I've never heard of it, but I want to read it now. That's so, great. Definitely. So that's awesome for me as well. So Courtney, thank you so much for this time. It was a great interview. And I think a lot of people are going to take a lot of value out of this conversation. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. That is a wrap for today's episode. I really enjoyed today's conversation with Courtney on minimalism, essentialism, and how we can really be more with less. If you would like to learn more about Courtney, you may go to bemorewithless.com. For now, peace out and see you next time.